Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What I'm doing in the background whenever the intro is playing and you don't see it. Woo! Got energy this morning. It is Friday, September 1st, Ryan Snyder. Penn State football takes on West Virginia tomorrow. And today on the show, we're talking about the five things you need to know when Penn State's defense is on the field. Can they smother the Mountaineers? We will find out in the next 30-ish minutes. Uh, And of course, Ryan is here, so that means we're talking recruiting. Uh, the Friday list, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Ryan can tell you, more, tell you more about what's over at the website, but he's going to give you a couple names here to start the show about who's going to be on the sidelines checking out Penn State football. So, Ryan, how you doing? Are you ready for the long trek up to Happy Valley tomorrow? Yeah, exciting day tomorrow um, for many, many reasons, but... Uh... Good to see a bunch of recruits back on campus. Uh, from my perspective, um, I'm always curious. Like, we just see them from the sidelines, right? It's not like yeah. interviewing them or getting exact measurables and stuff. But kind of just obviously, we go to high school games, all these things. But when you get a hundred guys up close, and they're kind of all together too, you can really kind of stack up. Like, oh, you know, this guy's smaller than I thought. This guy's bigger than yeah. I thought. Um, and even just watching them interact with people and stuff, you you can learn a lot from that hour uh, when they're on the sidelines. So uh, and most importantly, I just need photos, right? So I'll be down there yeah. taking a thousand. <laughs> you need photos. photos I need photos too. Absolutely. If it's you, the uh, lifeline for us. <laughs> yeah. If you see me, uh, we're always on the, uh, the East side uh, down, um, you know, on the bleachers, taking photos. I've had a couple subscribers come, come and say hello. So come say hi if you can. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be down there snapping photos and, and trying to see who all made it. Uh, little known fact, Ryan Snyder, excellent photographer, uh, does an excellent job getting photos and uh, ones that are clear and ones that are not shaky. <laughs> I'm, I'm always appreciative. I'm like, ah, there's a Ryan photo. I can use it for all of my different thumbnails and graphics and stuff like that. Uh, so a vital part of the process that Ryan, I assume very few people, few people care about, but I wanted to give you uh, your props for being a good photographer, which is a highly underrated skill, uh, given you're a reporter. Thank you. Now, if I just had a nice, awesome, expensive $10,000 lens, it would be great, too. So we could yeah. actually take photos of games. But uh, anyway, let's talk recruiting. Uh, we got to get to one thing before we start, though. David was here on the Wednesday show, and he uh, I want to give him his props because he was here during our conversation on the KSN uh, show, which is a pre-recorded show. He left a, a super chat donation. David is a regular here, and he wants to get his 2023 Big Ten champs chant in to go. So, David, appreciate you supporting the channel. Being back for the Friday show, that's a level of dedication. Christopher Riley feeling the same energy I am this morning. Could run through a wall right now. Lions by 100. Wow. That means that they're going to score maybe 110 points. Uh, and, of course, David saying cannot wait for Penn State football. Just you know, uh, about 24 hours to go, give or take, before you start tailgating. So, Ryan, let's get into it. Let's talk about recruiting. Who are the guys that you're targeting with that camera of yours that are that you're expecting to be over on the sidelines for Penn State football on Saturday? All of them, uh, if you're asking who I'm targeting to get photos of. But uh, here, here's uh, here's the basics, I think, what fancy to know. Uh, right now, our list is at 75 players, and – uh, we'll never get all of them, right? So whenever I have a list of 75 players, uh, I could safely estimate that like 120 are, are going to be there. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's more than that. Uh, I know Penn State, from talking to people, Penn State was aiming for about 130 to 140. And that's usually their max. I don't think I've ever seen a list over 150 uh, when we're when we're able to you know, actually 
take all these photos and, and put the numbers together. And then of course, talk to people uh, in, in the days that follow. So uh, I, I think safely to estimate 120, uh, maybe 130 uh, should be in attendance. And then of course, you know, you have uh, friends of friends, right? You got those high school teammates that tag along, you have parents that tag along. Uh, so it's quite an operation, uh, but this, but this is, this is massive for Penn state for a couple of reasons. One, obviously their, their, their 2024 recruiting classes should end up being a top 10 right around there. It has a lot of momentum, you know, recruits have taken notice to that. Uh, and then two, because of that momentum, guys want to get back on campus. Your, your program is number seven in the country right now. And here you have a marquee game that first week when there aren't too many marquee games this first week, especially within the region. Uh, so you have an opportunity uh, to get a lot of these guys who are already excited about your program, guys who have camped or visited over the last couple months to get back and see what's basically a whiteout. I mean, I've just been calling it a whiteout over the last week or so. Uh, yeah. That That's what this will be tomorrow. Uh, so I think that's massive for them to, to keep momentum going. Uh, you're going to get a lot of guys excited about this week who are going to come back then for the Iowa game in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and, and I think that's that's important just to kind of keep that momentum going. And then obviously 2025-wise, I mean, there's, there's plenty of players out there who – I don't think are ready to make a commitment now. I wouldn't be shocked if someone did this weekend, but uh, I could definitely see guys making moves in October, November, and so forth. So again, numbers, I think 120 is a safe estimate. 130 probably is, is, is I think, possible. Again, we have 75 players confirmed at the moment. Of those 75, 40 of them are uncommitted scholarship players, uh, which is really good. I don't have the total on who's all four-star and, and who's not. And, and, and some of those 40-so uh, players are 2026 20, guys who aren't rated and all that yet. But uh, it's a pretty good ratio. I think there's, there's at least a dozen or so four-star guys, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and again, it, when you when you project what we'll see in, in three, four, five months from now when rankings really fill out, I wouldn't be shocked if about 20 of those uh, 40 uncommitted scholarship guys are four-star prospects or right around there, maybe high three stars. Uh, so that's a, a pretty good breakdown of the overall view of the players that are going to be there. Um, I apologize. Doing a couple things behind the scenes here. Uh, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> are, are, are these primarily 24, 25 guys you're looking at? I apologize if you answered that already, but like what's the yeah, mix good. and what do you think of the, the group in terms of immediate impact this year? And then of course, working on making 25 a top 10 or top five class as well. Mm -hmm. It's almost all 2025, 2026. Uh, there aren't any uncommitted 2024s uh, on campus that I know of at the moment. No, actually, let me clarify. There will be a couple potential walk-on 2024s, but as, you know, there's no Jalen Harvey this weekend. There's no, uh, you know, Siona Lale or anything like that, although, you know, he, he already kind of cut Penn State out. There, there's no 2024 guys. We're really looking at that Iowa game as a weekend that could maybe have an official visit or two. No, nobody's set right now. And just from talking to people, too, we know Penn State is potentially looking at some some official visits for December. Well, Sean and I will get in that in the weeks ahead. But um, but Iowa would make the most sense. Well, that's the weekend. Like, if Jalen Harvey's going to get back, it's going to be that Iowa game in a couple of weeks. Let, let's see if he, if he makes it or not. So uh, it's very heavy 2025. Uh, out of the 2025 guys coming, I mean, there's, there's a few that stand out to me. Uh, I mentioned – just kind of clarifying the guys we mentioned earlier in the week, Trey McNutt, uh, a really good looking cornerback prospect out of Ohio. Uh, his dad and his, and his uncle, they were both Ohio state alums. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one for Penn state uh, to yeah. probably get over the hump. Um, speaking of like former players, uh, Logan Brooking, Keith Brooking's uh, son, of course, Keith Brooking was a, I don't know, what do you play? 10 plus years in the NFL. A very good, I think, linebacker prospect, I want to say, or linebacker uh, in the NFL. Uh, Logan's from Savannah, Georgia. Been trying to get up to Penn State for a while now. He was aiming to get to the Lash Bash, wasn't able to make it. Uh, but Logan's probably going to be a four star guy. He's right now, he's an 89, um, top 300 player. Uh, I, I think he'll be a four star when it's all said and done. It's one of the top 10 tight ends. Guy who's uh, Ty Howell's on really hard right now. So I, I mm -hmm. kind of have him as one of those three or four or five tight ends that uh, seem to be at the top of Penn State's board. Uh, Brady O'Hare is going to be here this weekend, too, who, of course, is from Pittsburgh, a guy that, you know, if I'm looking at a guy who can make an early commitment, Brady O'Hare would, would certainly be one of them. i uh, got to mention Trent Wilson as well, defensive lineman out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore. Um you know, St. Francis, guys, we talk about it all the time. Penn State's not able to, to get over the hump there. That, that school produces more talent than really any school in the Mid-Atlantic region. And yet Penn State still hasn't landed a prospect from there. So I know that has fans like, oh, here we go. Another St. Francis guy is probably not going to end up here. Uh, 
the one thing I will say with Trent, you know, he has been to Penn State more than any other school so far. This will be his fourth visit. Uh, does I do definitely get the vibe that Penn State should be an official visit kind of contender, right? Somebody he yeah. he maybe takes an OV to in June, but you know, so, so is Michael Van Buren. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of them. <laughs> I can I can name you know ten of them off the top of my head, but uh, actually no, I can't name them off the top of my head. So don't question me on that because that's a T Frank <laughs> question if if, uh, if I've ever heard one. But um. But no, my point. My point being is just, uh, yeah, yeah. Time will tell with that one. I, I think. I think Penn State certainly should be top five or so, but we'll see. Uh, just a couple other guys, real quick. Uh, Jeff Exner uh, from McDonough, athlete. We're listening at six two two twenty right now. You know, some people thought he could grow into a defensive end. You know, maybe a year or so ago, and uh, you know, he's put on weight, but he hasn't really exploded. So sitting around two twenty. Uh, so I'm thinking maybe a little bit more tight end now. That's kind of more the more the talk is Penn State likes him a bit more at tight end. But again, a McDonough guy who uh, isn't related to Kenny Sanders, but there's family ties there. Family uh, Kenny's known his family for a long time. Uh, of course, Kenny wants a McDonough. You know those McDonough guys and Kenny Sanders. That's that's a, yeah. I think a lot of Penn State fans know about that. So here's a McDonough guy who actually does have family ties. Again, not family ties and related, but like friendships through through yeah. families with Kenny going back years and years and and you know if i'm if i'm picking a guy you know five six seven guys that i think can end up in this class jeff exner is absolutely in that list so um let me think we hit on trent we hit on logan who am i missing man oh Jaden blair i wanted to mention Jaden blair too safety prospect um i i t frank were you at the camp that Jaden blair was at uh were yeah i believe camp? i was yeah six two two i mean or no, he's like six four. Excuse me. Um, yeah. Just a just a, a real lanky uh, kind of safety prospect. And and Anthony was that the camp where loves. there was like five or six really good DBs? I feel like that was the camp where you and I were splitting our time between the the yes passing the whiteout camp. And then, yeah, yeah. whiteout camps where all the talent usually really is for those. I mean, not that there's not talent in other camps, but that's certainly uh, a higher ratio, I guess we'll say. But anyway, Blair Blair, I think will be one of Penn State's top three or four safety prospects in that 2025 class. Of course, they have. Omari Gaines already committed, and and you know we'll we'll see where some other guys uh, stack up in the months ahead. But the fact that Blair's coming back, I think this is his third or fourth visit already. Uh, to Penn, I think it's his third because uh, he was also here in March. I want to say so. Uh, North Carolina guy, right? North Carolina is an area Penn State needs to recruit a little bit better too, or an area they want to recruit better. Ty Ty Hal has great ties in that area, but they haven't been able to land too many commitments here over the last year or two. But uh, keep an eye on Jaden Blair. Ryan, appreciate your time. Thank you for the insight. And once again, right now is the time to sign up to get Penn State recruiting insight and insider information. You can do it for 50% off uh, the first year of your subscription. So sign up right now. You can get the list, the full list in the premium content. You can get on the uh, threads for 24 and 25 on the Lions Den message form where you get a lot of the inside information from Ryan and from Sean. So right now, sign up 50% off. That's uh, our kickoff sale. So it only goes on for a few more hours today, tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe Sunday we'll do it. Maybe it'll be open that long, but don't risk it. Get half off of Blue White Illustrated. Ryan, thanks for your time. Take care, T. Frank. All right, let's get to it. The five things to watch for Penn State football uh, on defense for the 2023 season opener against uh, against West Virginia. Before we get to that, though, we got some uh, a new sponsor here on the show for the Friday show. Very excited for that. That is Caldera Labs. Now, guys, um, we don't talk enough about taking care of yourself. Now, I've, I've talked to you about with other ways of taking care of yourself, but um, I just turned 33 a couple weeks ago, and I was telling my wife, I'm. this is the first time I've I've started looking down and, and like, feel old, like somebody else's body is, is around me. Uh, and then I look in, in the mirror sometimes, and I, I'm on the internet, so there's a lot of me in the mirror. For example, let me, let me show you something that I noticed earlier this week. I had to record a commercial early in the morning, which appeared on the show. Um, and this is my face at the time. My eyeballs, because I was seven in the morning when I'm recording this, I look like a zombie that early in the morning. That used to never happen to me. Luckily, this same week, Caldera Labs, which is a men's skincare company, signed up to be a part of the BWI live show, and I have started using their eye care. This is for, uh, you put it on your eyes, so that if you're like me, and you have a, a mother, 
and a grandfather who were incredibly Italian and Mediterranean, and you get these deep eye bags right here. That helps with that. Um, they have these, I, I love things that feel nice in your hand, things that feel good. And they got these really nice ceramic um, uh, things that the, the, that the uh, product comes in. So you feel like you're using something nice. And this is the full package that they gave us here called Dara Labs. Just want to show you everything. Um, I have not opened all of it yet. So you're going to get the unboxing effect on the YouTube show. Uh, so let me just show you some of the things that they have. This is, I believe this is the clean slate is what this is called. I love this. This is like opening up really fancy, uh, like a really fancy tie. Yeah, so you just use these products um, as they direct you, because guys, uh, we're we're not women. We don't know how to use skincare products. That has been a giant gap in uh, in how we operate as human beings. So they give you this nice little how to use for dummies. Use this in the morning or night. Use this, and they give you instructions of how to use all of their uh, all of their stuff. So I'll keep you updated how it's going. Um, I again, I've started using the uh, the icon. And I feel like I don't look like a zombie already, which is great. So again, called Dara Labs. You can use our promo code to get 20% off when you go to uh, their website. So again, get 20% off with our promo code BWI23. That's 20% off with our promo code BWI23 at calderalab.com to unlock a youthful glow and be ready for summer with Caldera Lab. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm used to being the young person in the room, so I'm going to try and keep that energy going up. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Speaking of energy, let's get to it. Five things you need to know when Penn State's defense is on the field. Number five. So we're going to get to your comments in the chat as well. A lot of things going on all at the same time, but... I want to get to you some of the information that we, we stated we're going to get to you in the show. If you've been following along at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, I've been breaking down the, the defensive matchup against the offensive line in the passing game. And one thing that we know about West Virginia coming to this game, even if you haven't been building, uh, haven't been watching or reading, is that they have a very good offensive line. Six returners starting, uh, returners from last year are, are coming back, including center Zach Frazier, who is the best player and the leader of that defense. Doug Nestor, interesting move here, moved from right guard to right tackle. Uh, so just a reshuffle up front. Uh, and then if we look at their their offensive concepts, I think they have a really good mix of uh, different concepts. They use zone primarily. So they are a zone team where they'll run inside zone and more outside zone than I think Penn State is used to seeing on a regular basis where the, they're very committed to that zone running scheme. This is something that's a classic football thing, and teams are now using a lot of hybrid stuff. They'll occasionally use outside zone because it can be a little bit boom or bust in terms of losing yards, but also getting a lot of yards. Uh, they, they're committed to that. Um, but they also use counter as a part of that, that run game. And this is a very interesting mix when it comes to uh, modern football because I, I think that one thing that is, is a, a little bit underrated is how things play off each other. Uh, and and if you are a, especially a four down front for a defensive line, which you, you know Penn State is, and they're an aggressive team that likes to exchange gaps, they like to stunt and twist, which will mess up post-snap the zone blocking system because it's not like I've got that guy. It's I've got this area and whoever's in that area, I will block him. So if you do too much of that, they can come back with a counter game and they can attack the backside of where you're trying to attack and essentially outgap you that way. So they're just trying to constantly take gaps from you. But overall, I think, you know, when you look at that, it's a smart offense where they know what you're trying to do and they have systems set up to counter that. On top of that, they use a lot of different tactics uh, and, and kind of little tricks and nuances 
including same-side handoffs on zones to make it look like it's a different uh, concept. They also use man running uh, to, to mix things up, which, if you know, man and zone are, are attacking different sides of the offensive line from the same formation. Uh, like I mentioned, they use counter to attack those stunts. And, of course, with Garrett Green, who we expect to be the starting quarterback, they have an advanced running game on top of all of those things. So the offensive line is strong. Um, they have a tight end that's willing to block anybody in any situation, and they have the added threat of the quarterback run game. So everything is built intentionally, and the offensive line, from what I've seen, they're a very well-coached team. So they do a great job of having their eyes in the right spot. They communicate well together. They work well together. That doesn't always mean that they win. So you can beat these guys up front, but you have to beat them. They're not going to make a lot of mental mistakes uh, throughout the entire uh, the, the entire game. You have to beat these guys. And when we get to the you know passing later, kind of the same thing. You have to beat these guys instead of having them make mental errors, kind of like we talked with the defense, because the defense is very different than this particular group. It's easy to say, and, it, and I think it's absolutely true, that West Virginia's heart and soul of this team their entire identity is built around the offensive line and the run game. Those ru those running backs are good running backs as well. They fit well into the system. Um, the, the backup running back, I apologize, I had his name. I can't remember what it is. Uh, CJ Anderson is the starter. He's very much a classic zone runner with a big frame, strong, hard one cut, maybe not as explosive or dynamic as other guys. And the backup running back, uh, really good in those zone systems, but also really good as a... Um, as a, as a runner in those counter schemes. So they have a lot of different ver uh, diversity of what they can do to you on the ground. And they augment that with the uh, what I'm going to call the cheat code offense. And that is number four. Number four. Uh, so let's get to what I think is one of my most frustrated college spread offense sort of conversations, and that is um, the cheat code offense. So this is what they do. Uh, last season, they used read option, which is when the quarterback has the option to keep the ball reading a defender on the end of the line of scrimmage about 12% of the time. But remember, JT Daniel was the starter for most of the season. Garrett Green came in, and that number went up dramatically in the last couple uh, games of the season. They use motion 37% of the time, and they use RPO about 30% of the time. So they're using all of the cheat codes in offense to give themselves an advantage outside of what they do with that strong running game and, and basic fundamentals. But that's kind of where the offense, I don't want to say it stops, but the next layer, instead of having a competent passing game, is we're going to use all of these shortcuts to make it hard for you to defend the run game. And it's all kind of built off of that. Um, there's, there's a couple of... We're going we're gonna to simplify this into one particular example to give you an idea of, of what they're trying to do with the run game and how they augment it with the passing game and the read option game. But it is across the board that they're trying to use the spread system to spread you out laterally and attack various parts of the line of scrimmage and short yardage to try and get one-on-ones to create explosive plays through catch and run, more so than having an advanced offensive passing attack that uses the full field. Uh, and that's not to say they don't have those plays in their playbook. It's what do you, what do you focus on? What are you trying to do for the most part? So let me give you an example of the extreme of what you're going to see and, and kind of, I think, the most dangerous for a team that is not prepared for it, and that is the RPO plus outside zone. So I'm going to give you a graphic of this. There's going to be a lot of stuff on screen. So this is a basic setup of uh, outside zone plus RPO, and you'll see the big yellow arrow. That is the action of outside zone going away from the uh, receiver formation. That creates a lateral stretch where the defense has to cover all of those gaps. But on the backside, you have a potential wide receiver screen. So you have this, this shearing effect on the defense where you have this extreme lateral movement. And then on the backside, you have a wide receiver screen, maybe a slant to try and, and uh, put players into conflict. So this is the basic setup of, you know, the offensive play going in two different directions. And I have it set up here as an example, but it can be mirrored as well, kind of on the hash. That's where they're trying to split the defense. Now, let's go one layer further and let's add in the, some defenders. These are the guys that I target 
um, in this particular situation. The defensive end, outside linebacker, maybe it's a linebacker, walked up. That guy is called the read defender. That's who the quarterback is reading in the read option game. If he's too aggressive on the outside zone, the quarterback can keep the ball. That's where Garrett Green's legs come into play. Now, secondarily, this offense works on numbers. If you don't put enough numbers over to the screen, if it's a one-on-one, essentially, of two uh, two coverage defenders and two receivers, they will throw the bubble screen and try to get you with um, you know blocking and assignments. So that second-level off-ball defender, whether it's a safety or a linebacker, he's got a responsibility in the run game, which is running away from him, you know, going to the left side of the field on your screen. But he also has to be in support of the screen game. So you can see how this conflict zone in between the offensive formation, maybe there's a tight end there as well, however you want to set it up, that's that's kind of the alley where they're trying to attack, where you've got the quarterback option, and then you've got the the screen option. And, and as you can see, it, it's basically a triple option. So you're just using it in a different way. Um, here's the problem. Penn State, <laughs> they've got all these guys, uh, and these guys, and these guys, and these guys, and these guys, and these guys. Penn State has a lot of speed on the field. And the antidote to a uh, all of this stuff is being fast enough to cover this area and to be able to match speed and one-on-ones. So if you're, if you're playing a basketball game and it's one-on-one and you're the better defender, well, it doesn't matter what they're trying to do. You're defending them correctly. So that, I think, is going to be a tough matchup for West Virginia, but they are going to try and put those players in conflict. So let's let's name them out. Uh, defensive ends, uh, Adidas, Adisa Isaac, uh, Chop Robinson, Deny Dennis Sutton, Zariah Fisher, Amin Vanover. Those are going to be primarily Penn State's read defenders in those situations on the quarterback option game. Secondarily, guys off the ball, Curtis Jacobs, Dom DeLuca, if Tony Rojas sees the game, um, and then and Abdul Carter, depending on formation and which way they run the football and which way their, their passing is set up, your outside linebackers are going to be those guys that are keeping an eye on the screen game and, and trying to rally and support the corner in the safety or the slot corner, whoever is on that screen side. Maybe they're part of that screen action as well. All those guys are really fast. All those guys are really smart. You got a veteran defense. So uh, from that perspective, the basics, Penn State has to play the run. And the defensive tackles, defensive line, the linebackers, they all have to be in their gap and not make mistakes. If they can play fundamentally sound, then you're not trying to play catch up. You're not trying to, oh no, I have to overrun this play because last time I got outgapped. You can play with your feet underneath you, and you can respond to threats as they develop. And also, again, this is where it's huge that Curtis Jacobs is a veteran coming back. He's seen all of this. He knows all of this. We talked to him on the Tuesday show. Go check out our conversation. He's prepared for all. He likes the quarterback running game. He thinks it's fun and adds another element of complexity. If you've got a guy who feels that way about this situation, it is going to be difficult, even with Garrett Green's athleticism, for uh, West Virginia to have success and to build upon these principles to unlock their uh, passing game. And that's why we're starting here, because these concepts are what build the passing game. And this, by the way, we had this conversation over at the Blue White Illustrated Message Forum, um, and I was surprised at the number of people that personally took offense when I said, I don't really like screens. I find, you know, wide receiver screens, tight end screens, running back screens, I find them kind of boring, and I find them to be ineffective unless you're a really good football team. Because, again, Curtis Jacobs can beat an offensive lineman to the ball. Kalen King is faster, physical, and stronger than receivers that are trying to block him. And that's kind of the... the when you're running that many screens... And that's a big part of the passing game. I'd say probably 30 to 33% of uh, the West Virginia passing game is just reading the numbers, and it's, it's, a, it's a support for the run game, laterally. These are not high-value plays, and they're kind of these tricks and things. You'd be surprised the number of people that took offense personally to the run, to, to not liking screens. I'm wrong, by the way. Screens are incredibly important. They're a staple of all levels of football. But uh, I'm just... They don't do it for me. 
I'd rather I'd rather throw the ball down the field. I'd rather just a regular sticks route against an off coverage and get the yards that way. Alex Lawson says, love the t-shirt, love the shirt, T. Frank. I appreciate that. It's Friday. I thought I'd be fun and put on something that has color. Uh, if you have any questions in the chat, I'm going to take a break here between uh, number four and number three, where we're going to then shift to the passing game. Got any questions, throw them in here. We'll get to some of your questions in uh, in the chat as well later in, in the show as well. Uh, let's see. I'm reading this blind. Uh, what to expect from the Penn State uh, D versus West Virginia? Um, we cover a bunch of different stuff here, Steve. We do we do a lot of different stuff. It's a live show, and shows have different parts of the uh, uh, different elements that come onto the screen. So, if you got any more questions about uh, the setup of the show, if you wanna you wanna debate the rundown, we can do that a little bit later. We have to get to number three. Number three. One of the biggest changes for West Virginia last year was when JT Daniels left the lineup and Garrett Green entered the lineup because everything we just explained to you doesn't really work as well with a a, mo- a stationary quarterback. JT Daniel doesn't have the same athleticism. I- I've said Trace McSorley-esque is the way Garrett Green runs. Um, other than the fact that JT Daniel is also not a great quarterback, there's a big difference between the two, and that is um, you've got a very aggressive quarterback in Garrett Green. Blind confidence at times, both good and bad, uh, is is how you can you can read what Garrett Green does as a quarterback. He is very willing to put the ball down the field. Now you'll see here 15% of his throws last year were deep targets. That's a rough, you know, I rounded up to 15%. That falls in line with the West Virginia offense because again, it's short passing attack augmented by when you pay attention to the line of scrimmage and all that stuff we just talked about, they'll then stretch you vertically with a lot of vertical reps. So that's part of the offense. But he is willing to throw those balls all the way down the field. It's the fact that 10 yards down the field as well, if you add in those throws, 40% of his throws are going down the field. When you consider how many of his throws are screens, that's a lot. Um, But when he holds on to the ball, this is where he gets to be very aggressive. And he's a scrambler. We'll get to that in just a second. But his average depth of target, 13.4. I put him into the Big Ten and I ranked him there. That'd be fifth in the Big Ten from last year. 8% turnover-worthy play percentage, almost 9%. That was second in the Big Ten as he was the starter. So these are are not uh, all that good. And then, of course, uh, despite the fact that he's athletic, 25% of his... Uh, his his pressures resulted in sacks, which was the her- third highest percentage. Um, again, if you ranked him amongst Big Ten quarterbacks during his final three games where he was primarily the starter. So he's aggressive, and it's a double-edged sword. He can do some things that are good. He's willing to put the ball into that second window, um, but it doesn't always work for him. Oklahoma State played aggressive, press man coverage during the final game of the season. He really struggled to find accuracy and to find, um, you know, that targeting the ball at the right spot. Now, was Oklahoma State doing a lot of pass interference that wasn't called? Yes, because in college, every corner is grabby. You want to talk about Joey Porter Jr. being too grabby? Literally every corner is grabby. You can get away with it in college. Like, that's kind of, it, I don't want to say it's taught, but it's it's we it's accepted. So, if that sounds like Penn, by the way, what I'm saying is, if that sounds like Penn State, it it is. And uh, Green struggled in those situations to find the accuracy and the ball placement either down the field or on intermediate throws. So he's aggressive, and he uh, he wants to put the ball and make big plays within the structure of the offense, um, and out of structure. One of the things that I I noticed, you know, watching him is he there's. On every play, you've got a couple of different options, right? So you've got a check down, you've got your first read, you've got your second read, and you're reacting to what the defense is doing. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I've called them second window throws. Those, again, talking about those 10 to 19-yard intermediate throws. He is willing to chuck the ball in there into tight windows with regularity. He is not interested in throwing check downs. So if, if there's one thing I'm watching, it's how much has the coaching staff worked with him on that this offseason? Does he come out as this hyper-aggressive quarterback that's going to hold on to the football and is trying to push the ball into that second window on, on the kind of conventional passing game, not just the, the setup and, and throw the deep ball based off of formations in the run game? When they have to have those, is he going to be the guy that tries to play hero ball? Now that he's the starter, 
I think he's got to be a bit more conservative in this game. And that gets us to number two. Number two. Stephen Light here in the chat. I'm trying to peek at things while we're uh, doing, he says, super preview analysis. Thank you. Appreciate you being here, Stephen. Again, if you've got any conversations or um, questions you want to have at the end, we're almost there. There's a little bit coming back now talking about this aggressive quarterback, Garrett Green, who we expect to be the starter. And let's let's just zoom out again. So remember, 15% of his throws down the field in deep passing situations. 2.5 seconds is roughly how long he holds on the football to throw it deep. When you look at his 10 to 19 yards, that number balloons to 3.4 uh, 3.04 seconds. By the way, these stats provided by PFF. This makes sense when you watch the film because he is a scrambling quarterback. So in the rhythm of the offense, he throws it deep. When he's targeting the middle of the field, he's usually scrambling. He's holding onto the football. He's trying to buy time or he's not throwing with anticipation, but it causes some issues, as you saw there. 17% uh, turnover-worthy plays. Like, he threw the ball into danger almost 20% of his passes. Uh, some other stats went under pressure, so a lot of the time you're going to see this. Uh, he was 3 of 17 for 60 yards. So let's break it down this way. When he's scrambling in structure and extending the play, he is a dangerous threat. When he's ad-libbing, he's dangerous to his own team. So this is going to be something fascinating to watch because I do think he'll extend a couple plays. He'll put some players in conflict, and they'll win. They'll get a couple of maybe chunk plays, maybe 15, 18 yards. Uh, but it's also going to come with a lot of problems from him uh, being affected by the pressure and not throwing with accuracy couple of things you notice from him in the pocket where you've got to win if you want to be a winning quarterback. He's 5'11". Height affected him. So no pressure coming, but the pocket collapsing. He had a hard time throwing over when he had a tight pocket to work in. Um, some almost interceptions, some balls that were batted down at the line of scrimmage or that were batted on intermediate coverages. So how he lofts the ball, how he places the ball, I think these are going to be things that Penn State can take advantage of. Um, and I, if you haven't figured it out yet, very little anticipation. So when he's extending the play, sometimes it's because there's pressure. Sometimes it's because he's not doing the thing where there's a zone and you have to fit the ball between three players, but there's a window that opens and closes before the receiver is just standing there presenting his numbers. He's got to get better at that timing and trust. He was thrust into the lineup as a starter at the end of the season, so you're going to forgive some of this. These are the things he had he has to work on uh, when it comes to his ability to throw the football within the structure of the offense and not rely on his legs. Something else James Franklin talked about this week when we talk about the quarterback position. We're going to sit here for a couple seconds and uh, talk about more and different natures of Garrett Green, which is going to be great if he's not the starting quarterback, but he is. He's good. Drew Aller is going to be the starting quarterback. Garrett Green's going to be the starting quarterback. A um, couple of things that you notice from him. James Franklin talked about easy access throws. They're not a defense that just gives you yardage. So in certain coverages, cover three, cover four, um, the, the outside corners are playing off. And they're trying to prevent big plays. This is how West Virginia plays. So if you want to, you can run into that void in the zone and just pick up six yards. Ohio State has done this previously. This is something that happened to Penn State a lot against Ohio State with Brent Prize. Sometimes that would be something Ohio State just gets a free eight yards. Um, you're not going to get that with Penn State. They're going to be aggressive. They are going to close down passing lanes. They're going to play single coverage, allowing them to add another hat in the run game and destroy kind of the situations and the conflicts that West Virginia wants to present with all the stuff we started the show with. So Garrett Green is going to have to be good outside the things that he did last year, which is pre-snap, if you give him the look, he knows where to go with the football. He can hit those point-and-shoot plays. But when there's post-snap uh, rotation, when he gets a defense that he's not expecting, uh, Kansas State ran a cover-two man, which is a little more rare in college football. We have two deep safeties, and then you play man coverage across the board. He read that as cover-two and thought he had a certain route. He threw a pick-six. First year starting, first uh, game, you know, going in to play, first pass intercepted. You're not expecting him to be this bad during this game, but these are the this is kind of the nature of the way he plays the football game. So that's going to lead you to 
a lot of if they cannot win at the line of scrimmage and they cannot establish the and I don't mean establish the ground game in the sense of they have to run the football to do all of these things because of the nature of their offense Penn State is already keyed up to stop the run they know that's the, the defense always wants to stop the run so those play actions and RPOs are going to be available early in the game but if if they do have success and you do get those players to overrun uh, the the traditional running game, the we have to beat you at the line of scrimmage, that's where this is going to start for them. If they have success creasing Penn State a couple times, th- all of these knock-on effects can happen. But do you expect that? I don't expect that to happen regularly. So that's going to put them in a lot of negative situations, and that's where we get to the number one thing. Number one. We've talked about it a couple of times, but this is what you're dealing with. Abdul Carter, Chop Robinson, Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, Adisa Isaac, Curtis Jacobs, Denied Dennis Sutton. Like, everyone can run. Everyone is, you know, is explosive. And this is a defense that's returning a lot of experience. So in obvious passing situations, the offensive line, uh, the data actually didn't back up what I saw. So, you know, I've got a go back and watch the offensive line in passing situations again because I, I did not think they were great in obvious passing situations. A, a team that is a, a run-blocking unit first, typically in college football, unless they're an exceptionally good line, probably going to have some issues in pass protection. One of the ways this team is trying to shift that is moving Doug Nestor to right tackle, and then Brandon Yates and Jaquay Hubbard are moving into right guard, and presumably they're rotating again this year at that right guard position. So they tried to fix some of their issues at right tackle where he had four sacks and a bunch of pressures coming from that right side. Thomas Rimmick was a young player last year, allowed nine pressures on 54 snaps in true passing situations. But even Wyatt Milam, I thought against speed, struggled uh, in those final games of the regular season. Now, they're obvious, obvious passing situations, and any offensive lineman is going to struggle when you know what's coming. If the defense knows what's coming and the defensive ends can tee off on on, on the passing game, you have to be the elite of the elite to stop that. But Penn State has the elite of the elite. They have speed at defensive end. They have power and length at defensive end. There's going to be some sort of combination that works for the Nittany Lions in obvious passing situations, not to mention the Prowler package, the pressure they present, the, the different things they can do to make West Virginia wrong in uh in the pass protection schemes but that is one thing i'll give them credit for like in the run game in the passing game their eyes are usually in the right place they pick up and pass off stunts with awareness but if you can get to the edges of these offensive linemen they don't necessarily have the strength and the athleticism to um to uh make up ground to correct a mistake to recover uh, and and get back into position. So if you can get to the edges of these interior linemen, you have a chance to get pressure on the quarterback. And if that happens, again, 17% completion percentage last season, small sample size, sure. Garrett Green was not good under pressure. So despite being, you know, that's where that, the conversation of the Trace McSorley clone, you know, m- making that comparison of college quarterback that's athletic in the run game, passing game does not stack up at all. So Penn State gets this team one-dimensional, and the game is effectively over. Now, we didn't get into the the passing attack of the weapons because they're all new, and they're all transfers. Devin Carter, physical big receiver, um, good speed, has never really proven he's the number one player at NC State. This is his opportunity to do that. He wanted to do it at Penn State and then decided to go to West Virginia. Um, Rodney Gallagher. Love Rodney Gallagher. We've had him here on the show before. He was one of Penn State's top targets. He decided to go to West Virginia. Athletic, uh, explosive, two-way player in high school. Basketball star, football star. Didn't play a whole lot of receiver at his team because they needed a quarterback. So has he broken that learning curve down to be an effective slot receiver as a true freshman in his first game? A lot of pressure. I think you'll see him play. I don't know that you'll see him outside of punt returns and kick returns necessarily as a staple in the offense. They'll probably go with some of their veterans that they had last year who are, you know, good football players, but, you know, don't rise to the level of speed or danger that Penn State would have to contend with 
with their defense. So the passing game, if they get into these third and long situations, that is where Penn State's bread is buttered, and that is where they are not good. So I, I kind of want to go back on my 42-20 to 20, um, prediction from earlier this week over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I was just like, it was, what's the spread plus 20? And I was being... I, trying to be nice to West Virginia that they're gonna you know have some competence uh in the in the in the offensive side of the ball and score 20 points but the more I look at this matchup the the less I think that that is a possibility uh so if you got any questions in the chat that's what I got for today I'm gonna read now and uh, see what you guys have to say anything it looks like uh, somebody has a birthday today in the chat is that who uh who do we have here that's got a birthday Aaron says, finally get to watch you guys live. Took the day off for my birthday. Can't wait to be in the stadium tomorrow. Happy birthday, Aaron. You know, uh, it was Fitz's birthday yesterday, and I was trying to get some some graphics made up for a happy birthday, and I just didn't have time. That would have been perfect for right now. So, Aaron, happy birthday. Hope you have a good time. Hope you have a good time tonight. Make sure, I don't know how old you are. If you're over 21, make sure you pace yourself because it's a long day tomorrow as well. Uh, Teddy brings up a good point. Clock control will certainly be important for West Virginia if they hope to be competitive. But this is my point. Yes, that's true. Minnesota tried to control the clock as well, and they went three and out every single possession. You can't go three and out and give the ball back all the time, so you've got to do something. You can't run, run, pass. You can't run, run, pass. Run, run, pass. Now, that's again where the screen game comes in. If you see a screen, think run. And that's how I think it in my head, which is they ran this way. Now they threw the ball to run over there. Um, you've got to attack, and you've got to get some first downs because if you don't, that's, uh, that's a recipe for giving Penn State the football for the entire first half. Um, Patrick Kelly says, as soon as JT was benched, the offense with uh, Green stayed on the field longer and beat OU uh, and Oklahoma State. Yes. Yes, he provides that dynamic. That's exactly right, Patrick. They're able to do more, and this offense is, a, is allowed to be a little bit more explosive because of the things we talked about earlier in, in the game. But the question is, is Oklahoma State, do they have Oklahoma in the first year um, uh, with Brett Venables as the defensive coach and, and head coach, do they have the same level of talent? I I I struggle to see where Garrett Green is going to outrun Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs, and uh, Chop Robinson regularly. So that's going to be something I'm looking for. Um, Teddy is a West Virginia fan. He's coming to the game. If you see Teddy, be super nice. Say hi. And uh, show him a good time in Happy Valley. So we got, uh, I love the fact that we got uh, fans from both teams here in the game, uh, in the chat. Uh, how do West How do West Virginia special teams compare to Penn State? Grant, you must be new to the show. I don't do special teams. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and and I don't. I'm not complaining about my job. I love my job. I spent two weeks watching the offense and the defense. If you think I'm taking time to watch a bunch of kickoffs and punts, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I I that that you can you can find that information somewhere else on the internet. I'm giving you the breakdown of the the on a on a cellular level of the offense and the defense. I'm not getting to special teams. Penn State special teams, I can tell you, not settled going into the first game. So that much I can tell you. Outside of that, we're going to see what happens. See Paul King reading this one live on air. Hopefully I'm not uh, burned by this. Uh, donation to the channel. Appreciate you. BWI is the best. Never been so prepared information-wise for a PSU football season. In addition to my expectations for a championship have not been this high for 20 years. You guys are the best. That is some high praise. Thank you, C. Paul King. That's also a high bar to keep for the rest of the season. I hope we can maintain this energy because we're going to be doing this Friday, five things to watch throughout the season. Delaware, you know, not the 1-0 mentality, etc. We're looking at each game individually, but we might be looking ahead during the Delaware week because I don't know what I'm going to learn from Delaware versus Penn State. They got to get through Penn State, West Virginia first, but... Um, that is, uh, that, that's something we're going to be looking at uh, in the future. Maybe not going all the way in on Delaware. I'll give, you, I'll give you maybe three things to watch for, and then we'll peek ahead at the next game against Illinois. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's frustrating on my end because I've been a listener for over two years. My bad. That's all good, Grant. That is all good. That's the thing. Is like We bring on the excellent people here at Blue White Illustrated that do care about special teams. Fitz and Nate 
love special teams. So you get tons of special teams content. You get tons of special teams talk. Yesterday, if you want to you want to get a special teams breakdown, go to the show yesterday where we talked about it um, uh, during during the game preview for Fitz and, and Nate where they gave their thoughts. Um, you'll get some special teams conversation there. And that's what I love is we have a, a deep and talented roster of people to pull from so that we all can complement each other. And that's why... Sales pitch once again, kickoff sale, 50% off for the first year. If you're here on the YouTube channel, I give you good stuff, but I am not the only person who's giving you good stuff. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, we have five people that are the best at what they do. It's 50% off for a full year. It's $49.99. I have accidentally spent $50 on something stupid uh, and, and then not realized it. Like maybe getting a parking ticket downtown when I was delivering magazines last week where I got a $50 parking ticket. I would much rather spend that on a year subscription to Blue White Illustrated, um, which you can do right now. Don't be like me. Don't be stupid. Don't park near a fire hydrant. Uh, but also, it was four minutes. I was there for four minutes. And that's what we're going to... We're going to end on me complaining about my parking ticket. That's, that's just elite fashion from us. <laughs> By the way, it's not the last you're going to hear from me. Coming up tomorrow, um, we have an exciting lineup of content myself and penn state defensive tackle aeneas hawkins are going to be giving you a breakdown of the game for 90 minutes on the penn state football tailgate show 2023 we are doing that in conjunction with seven mountains media you can listen to the show on 99.5 the bus if you're tailgating in state college or you can watch it here on the blue white illustrated youtube channel we will have a stream of that here so that starts at 4 30 and runs for 90 minutes uh and then i will jump in the car and speed excessively back here so that I can get set up so I can get my replay system set up. I can give you live analysis during the game to talk about on the post-game show. Live after the game, we'll have a post-game show breaking down what happened between West Virginia and Penn State. And we can see if I was right about all of this stuff. That's the thing is like, I'll check my work. We'll find out because it's first game of year. We have no idea what's going to happen. All right. So that does it for me. Hope you had a great time on the show. Hope you learned something. Hope you had some fun. Happy birthday to Aaron. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.